Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Friday, May 26th, and you're tuned into the Cleveland Baseball Talk podcast. I'm Joe Noga, joined by Paul Hoynes. Hoynesy, uh, after an off day, the Guardians are set to open a three-game series against the St. Louis Cardinals. It's a big series for a lot of reasons, but mostly because the Guardians got to get feeling right about themselves. Otherwise, uh, things are going to change quickly for this team uh, for the rest of the season. Yeah, this is a big series, definitely, Joe. They've lost, what, seven of their last nine uh, 13 of their last 20, they've got to get this thing uh, turned around or, uh, you know, this is, they're, they're already, what, uh, I think seven games under 500. They were never more than five under 500 last year. So, you know, crucial series. It's time to uh, get the offense pointed in the right direction. Uh, and also, you know, as as the struggles continue, it's going to, you know, generate more calls for, you know, some sort of trade, some sort of big move for this team to make uh, prior to the trade deadline. Uh, and, and the names that we keep hearing over and over again, the the ones that uh, at least the, the fans or, or our subtext subscribers keep uh, mentioning and bringing up, uh, Ahmed Rosario, Shane Bieber would be the guys that, you know, would, would be at the top of the list for this uh, this team to, to start looking to trade. Yeah, and, uh, you know, that's, uh, you know, I, you know, I don't know what you would get for Rosario. I mean, he's, you know, he'd be a rental player. He's a free agent at the end of the year. He's not having that great a season. And uh, do you really trade Beaver? I mean, these guys, you know, we've seen them, you know, the, I'm, I'm sure the price tag is, is already hefty on, on Beaver. He's got a year left, you know, so that's a, that's in uh, the club's favor. You know, they can ask for more that way. And he's having a great, he's off to a very, very good start. He's, He's kind of off to an all-star start already. So he's pitching well, and uh, he's got a year left. You got time if you're the team uh, interested in him. So you got to, you know, you're getting a year's worth before he's eligible for free agency. So, you know, that's a, that's an expensive meal ticket right there. So if if they do have to trade, if they do make a trade, and it is Bieber, they better get a lot in return. Uh, I think, you know, one of the ways you solve both problems there maybe is package the two of them, uh, sort of like what you did with uh, Francisco Lindor and and Carlos Carrasco. You tell the team that you're you're making a, a Beaver trade with uh, that they have to take Rosario as well. And I don't know if that, you know, increases or decreases uh, the haul of whatever prospects you get back uh, because of the salary. Uh, you know, obviously you would be trading him most likely to a, a contending team that can can eat, you know, whatever, uh, you know, salary considerations uh, Rosario would have. So I, I don't know, maybe you, you look at it that way is if uh, if one goes, then both go and and you uh, you try to open up spaces uh, in, in both spots. Uh, it would certainly free up room for uh, a 
um, you know, uh, Brian Rocchio uh, for Ahmed Rez- or for uh, Gabriel Arias to play more shortstop, something uh, along those lines. It would get give you at bats for Tyler Freeman, uh, but it could also you know clear a path for a guy like uh, a Gavin Williams to to eventually make his debut at some point this year, and and sort of uh, you know ease your your stress over where you put. Uh, you know, pitchers like Tristan McKenzie, Aaron Savali in the rotation when uh, when they're eligible to come back. Yeah, it's uh, you know, if it you know, they, this would be a buyer's trade, Joe. I mean, uh, you know, neither one is signed. You know, Rosario or Bieber aren't signed to a multi-year deal. So one year deal, you know, they're both making, you know, OK, you know, I mean, good money. What Bieber's making, what, 10 million, something like that, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, you know, Rosario's making eight something, I believe. Um, so, and, you know, th- that would be, you know, half, if you deal them at the deadline, that's, you only, pick, you're only picking up half that salary then. So, I mean, you know, this is a buyer's dream. So, you know, you'd have to, so that gives, I think, uh, you know, puts leverage, gives the guardians leverage to to ask for as much as they want. If, if that is their intention to trade these guys. Yeah, Bieber's at 10. Uh, 10.01 million uh, this year. Um, Rosario at 7.8 million. So, uh, it, you know, it, that m- might limit some of the teams that you could uh, be be dealing with uh, in terms of, uh, you know, what's remaining on their contracts. Like you said, about half of that. So, uh, you, you're looking at uh, about eight to nine million dollars worth of uh, remaining oh, salary. And that's the, that's a deal. That's I mean, right, you, for the you, two you get a Cy Young winner and a guy that. You know, if you really need an everyday shortstop, can do it. Yeah, and and you know, it's not like Rosario hasn't shown that he can be a productive player. It's just that the the situation has to be right for him, and you know, this year he's just uh, having having trouble getting going. So, yeah, I, I I'm and I'm certainly not pushing for uh, you know a trade being that way uh, or being the case right now, but uh, you you've got to start looking at where this team can make changes and 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 sort of you know, when they shift gears, if the, the losing continues, it's just, you can't keep doing the same thing over and over again. And a move has to be made. Yeah. Uh, and you know, they're planning, they've got plan B, C and D already in the works here. What's your sense just in the, in the clubhouse around uh, Shane Bieber when, when we're in there, you know, he's, he's, he's different than he has been the last couple of years, you know, maybe a little more dodgy, maybe a little more, you know, still very professional and, and, and will will talk to us and, and uh, you know, not avoid us or anything like that. But certainly not as open and as, you know, I just think uh, being it, you know, uh, the, the veteran that he is right now, I think uh, things have changed with him. I, I just get a different sense and almost like he knows that his time here is is drawing to a close simply because. You know, if he's not traded by the end of this year, it, it could probably happen in the offseason. Yeah, you know, I think, uh, you know, they're counting down. Obviously, they haven't been able to work out a, a multi-year deal. You know, I talked to him uh, at length after Wednesday's game. Uh, it was really good, you know, giving me this kind of state of the uh, state of the franchise, like, you know, kind of a veteran guy would do, you know, and uh, state of the team, I should say, you know, just because of the, the losing and what they have to do to get back on track. So, you know, he, he was, uh, you know, he was, he was, you know, he was open and he was forthcoming, but obviously I think he knows, 
you know, he's seen this happen before. He's seen this happen yeah. with, you know, his former teammates, guys that have, you know, that that when they get to this point in their careers, you know, the, I mean, and and you, in this point to their service time, you know, unless it's an exception, unless you're you're willing to take, you know, a hometown discount, you know, aka, uh, you know, Jose Ramirez. You you are uh, you you know you're on borrowed time and uh, you know that's the way it is and I think uh, you know he's you know you work toward that you work toward getting six years in as a player and and you you know that's uh, you know to uh, go go and get your first huge contract that's that's the uh, you know that's the goal for every player I think right I I just get the 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 sensation or the uh you know I'm getting Frankie Lindor vibes from this is is this is about you know 2019 2020 that kind of thing you know when when we were around Lindor uh when the the end of his time in Cleveland was near uh he just sort of felt different and he came off different in in the way that he was around the clubhouse and uh, that's just sort of what I'm feeling from uh, from Bieber, and uh, I think he knows that uh, you know if a deal or an opportunity presents itself, that that's going to be what happens, and and he's going to be moved on uh, at, at some point here, uh, rather than uh, you know necessarily signing and staying for an extended period of time. Yeah, I mean, you know, like we've we've talked. I think they've approached him multiple times. They haven't been able to get a deal done. You know, he sees what people are getting, you know, the other pitchers are getting on the free agent market. And we know uh, the, the you know, the restrictions on uh, the Guardians payroll. You know, it kind of, you know, it's it's a happy marriage until it isn't, Joe. And, uh, <laughs> you know, and, and you know, it's, it's not I don't think there's any friction. It's just a matter. It's a fact of life right now. You know, you you get that six years of service time or you bump into it and, you know, you're packing your bags and you're headed out if. You know, if you don't, um, you know, kind of if you don't sign, you know, if you, if you can't reach a deal with the Guardians and if you do reach a deal with the Guardians, you know, you know, you're going to leave a lot of money on the table, I would think, a, a player of, of Bieber's caliber. Yeah, and I don't think uh, there are people around uh, Shane Bieber, I don't think that, you know, would be really happy with, uh, you know, that decision uh, to leave money on the table. So I, I, I can't see that happening. Uh, all right. We uh, asked our subtext subscribers to jump in and, uh, you know, throw any questions at us, sort of like a hey, Hoinsey, but uh, this time we're doing it on the podcast here. Uh, so we, we will maybe have some overlap, but uh, who knows uh, if you want to get in on subtext uh, 216-208-4346, uh, send a text message there or uh, jo- uh, log on to Cleveland.com slash subtext. Uh, it's $3.99 a month to subscribe. You get uh, constant updates via text from myself and Hoinsey, uh during the week, during the season, uh, from the clubhouse, from Tito interview sessions. Uh, we give you everything we've got first before we publish it on Cleveland.com. Uh, so go ahead and jump on there. Be a part of Subtext. It's a great community and a, a great opportunity uh, for you to, to get to know more about the team. Uh and uh, we asked our subtext subscribers to throw any questions at us that they wanted to. Uh, this one's from John Kyle in Westfield Center, Ohio. Uh, he wants to. He wanted to say, "Hey, I haven't given up on the season yet. Do you think the Guardians will be buyers or sellers at the trading deadline? Uh, and if they're sellers, uh, you know what's Beaver's trading value? I think we just talked about that. But uh, just will they be? Will they be making moves at the deadline? Uh, any small moves like we saw them make? 
uh, at the, the the 2021 deadline that uh, you know brought back guys like Miles Straw. Uh, what uh, what do you picture uh, Chris Antonetti's strategy being? Uh, let's say everything stays the course right now, and they're still in you know third place in the in the division, uh, you know last in the league in in pretty much every hitting category for the next couple of weeks here. Uh, what do you think the trade deadline strategy will be? Yeah, I, I think uh, the the deadline the strategy would be that they would be sellers, Joe. That they would you know they would try to do a little bit of both. You know they would they would make some trades, but they would also try to improve the ball club. You know going you know for uh, you know the remainder of this season and next year. So uh, you know I think that's uh, you know they always try to say you know we're not buyers, we're not sellers. We're, you know, we're, we're, we'll do both. And uh, I think that's the approach they take. What other trade pieces besides Bieber or Ramirez, what other, uh, you know, commodities do they have on this trade market that other teams would be interested in? Oh, I think, you know, they've got relievers, they've got young starting pitching, you know, who wouldn't, who wouldn't want to take a run at a, a Tanner Bybee or, or a Logan Allen, uh, you know, uh, Gavin Williams, what, what, they've got some really, uh, they've got, you know, the relievers have pitched well, you know, Aniel De Los Santos, um, you know, they just signed, uh, Trevor Steffen to a multi-year deal. So I don't think he's going anywhere, but, you know, they've got, they've got, you know, relievers, that I think would be interesting. They've got, uh, you know, is it Gabriel Arias? Uh, are, do other people, do other teams seem to put as high a value on him as as uh, the Guardians do? You know, I, I think they, they've got a bunch of, uh, they've got a young roster. They've got really some talent at AAA. And I think, uh, I don't think they'd have a, tr- they don't have, you know, any trouble, you know, getting interest from other ball clubs. Yeah, De Los Santos is interesting to me. I think that's one where, uh, where other teams might really be interested in a guy like that, particularly with his his productivity over the last couple of years, uh, I, I think he might be a sort of a, a you know keep his name in mind when the trade deadline comes around if things stay the way they are because uh, I think he might be a guy that would draw a lot of interest, like you said, from uh, from other teams, uh, you know, especially uh, te- teams in the playoff hunt. He's a guy who can give you innings in big situations. And he's shown that, uh, you know, so far over the last couple of seasons here in Cleveland. Uh, yeah, that's, uh, that's a, just a really interesting question. Uh, and, and we've seen over the last several years that this is a club that, uh, you know, tries to thread the needle as they say, uh, and, and, and do that. So, um, we'll, we'll see if they can, you know, play both sides of it, I guess. Uh, here's a question from, uh, let's see from one of our subtext subscribers, Joe and Paul, do you, uh, what does the organization, uh, think they're going to do with Zach Plesak, especially in light of the rookie pitchers, uh, decent performances. So, uh, you know, we really haven't heard much about or from Zach Plesak since they optioned him down to AAA. Uh, what do you think Zach Plesak's future is? And, and could he be, uh, you know, a, a guy that, the the franchise says, hey, uh, you know, if you're if we're making a trade, let's throw in a Zach Police Act to to try and get him moved on to a, a different or better situation. Yeah, that's a, that's a great point, Joe. I think Police Act, you know, is probably would would be right on the front line there. I mean, you know, 
people are always looking for reclamation projects. You know, Pulisic has a, has a track record. He's pitched in the big leagues. He's won in the big leagues. Yes, he's kind of, you know, struggled the last uh, year and a half. But, you know, for a, for a team, for a contender, you know, going down the stretch that has an opening in the rotation, I think he'd be an ideal fit. I think he'd be a guy you could, you know, put in the back end of your rotation, you know, going for going down the stretch. And, you know, maybe he's reached the end of this, the line in Cleveland, but, you know, he's still, uh, you know, I think he's what he's made three or four starts at Columbus, decent starts. So, you know, you know, the guy's going to be in shape, you know, he's going to be ready to pitch. Uh, and maybe you, who knows if you go to another organization, maybe they're able to, to unlock something in, in his delivery or to, to uh, get him back over the hump. So, yeah, I think he would be, uh, you know, an ideal, you know, trade subject or, you know, trade, Here, trade target. Here's an interesting question from uh, the Toledo area, a 419 area code from one of our te- uh, subtech subscribers. Uh, if you could acquire one bat at the trade deadline, what position would it be for? So, uh, you know, uh, the, the positions uh, that I think are pretty much locked in and, and spoken for right now uh, are left field and third base. I think uh, uh, if you can acquire any other bat, well, maybe center field, I guess. Uh, but uh, if you could acquire a bat that can play a position, uh, would it be right field? Oh, second base, I think, would be spoken for, too, I guess. Right field, shortstop, first base, would, would any of those... Uh, you know, work for you? Uh, where where would you be looking to to add a bat, or or does it just not matter? And you make something work if uh, if you can uh, find a guy that could hit. You know, ideally you, you'd want to add like a power hitting right fielder, I think. And I still think you you might have one at AAA and Oscar Gonzalez, but it doesn't seem like he's going to get much of a chance this year, right now at least. But yeah, I'd 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 look for an outfielder a power hitting outfielder. I mean, I don't care if he was left or right field. I mean, if, if, if you get a left fielder, I'd move Quan to center field, you know, you've got that ability and he has that, uh, you know, that, that versatility to do that, but you need some power here, Joe, you're not going to win. Yeah. You're not going to win in this, in this league with, with 30 home runs, you know, 50 games into the season. That's uh, for sure. And that's, um, you know, a, a big, uh, a big glaring weakness of this team as, as we've continued to, to sort of get into this year. Uh, all right. Uh, you know, talk of trade deadlines and all this stuff that, that makes us feel so, oh, so yucky. I don't even like it. Uh, here's, here's a question, uh, that, you know, I love the random questions sometimes from our subtext subscribers. You know, we talk about movies or we could talk about, uh, you know, whatever else is on our mind. Uh, here's, uh, one question from the 330 area code. Uh, what are some of your favorite major league ballparks? Uh, what are your least favorite major league ballparks? I can think of one that's my least favorite major league ballpark. That's Oakland for sure. Uh, that won't have to be a problem for very much longer. Uh, Oakland is just a, a miserable place to go you know, see a game or cover a game. But uh, what about you, Hoinsey? What's your least favorite ballpark? Oh, man. I, I was thinking, you know, I, I used to be one of my favorites, but uh, – you know, uh, uh, the big A, Anaheim Stadium, since they put us, they put, uh, you know, the press in a, in a coat, uh, in a closet for the press room, you know, for the press box. I think that's kind of reduced my, uh, my love for, uh, Anaheim, the Angel Stadium. Uh, but, uh, you know, my, one of my favorites, you know, has to be, uh, 
um, you know, um, T-Mobile Park in Seattle. I love that park. Mm-hmm. And uh, I like a Fenway. I like Yankee Stadium. Uh, you know, I, 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 you know, I like a Comerica. It wasn't one of my favorites, but I like Comerica Park as well. So, yeah, but I, you know, I like all ballparks mostly. And, uh, you know, but, uh, you know, I, I like to be able to work in them too. So, but at, at Angel Stadium, you, you can't work in that place. Yeah, it's a, that, that's a big factor in, in, in whether or not I like a ballpark very much. Like you said, Comerica, it almost we we're, we're there so much it almost yeah. feels like home because we're we're there so often uh and and uh with uh, Minnesota as well Minnesota and Kansas City you know both really good setups and and you know we never have a, a hard time in any of those parks uh but just I, I like the the setup at, at Kansas City that's a it, it's a it's a fun park to visit sometimes uh but I think you know of of the of the the parks that I've been to, one of my favorites, like you said, Seattle's great. Uh, Anaheim, we didn't have, I, I didn't have a real problem with. Um, uh, I, I like Rogers Center. It's, it's cool. It's a cool place to see a game, yeah. but, but having to, to, to be up in the, uh, the, the left field upper deck and, and trying to get down, uh, you know, to the visitors dugout after a game is, that's a bit of a hike. You get your cardio in, uh, when you're there. So, uh, do you remember, and, and what are your memories of old Yankee stadium or the, not old, old, but you know, former Yankee stadium before they, they built the new one. Did you like that place? Was that all right? Yeah. I love the old Yankee stadium. It was so cool. You know, the press box isn't as nice as it is now, but, uh, you know, when, when you were there for a big game, when Cleveland and the Yankees were playing in the postseason, and something would happen the Yankees would do something or, you know, there'd be a rally going, the press box would shake. That's because the fans were so into it, you know, and I, it was a little scary, but it was cool to feel that. And the, the one thing about old Yankee stadium is, you know, for a while, for a long time there, when we went there, you know, when, when the game ended, you had to bring your stuff down uh, you know, pack up and bring yourself down to the basement. They had a press, the press room in the basement, and you finish right in there because <laughs> when you went down uh, to the locker room, if you didn't do that, there was a chance your stuff wouldn't be there when you came back <laughs> up to right. So it was that was an interesting part of it. But yeah, I like Yankee Stadium. I like the whole the whole feel of it. It was cool. Any other any other ballpark that's that's long since been closed or, or gone that you uh, that you worked at that you enjoyed or really that stood out for for a reason that you didn't like? Yeah, well, I liked old Tiger Stadium. Uh, great milkshakes at Tiger Stadium in the press <laughs> box, Joe. That that's that was that I remember that, and uh, I loved uh, old Comiskey. You know, I liked looking out uh, through the arches in the outfield. They had those arches, and you could mm-hmm. see the trees outside the uh, outside the ballpark. And I liked those the green seats at uh, Comiskey. That was just a kind of a cool feel to it. But yeah, yeah, I liked I liked the old those old ballparks definitely. Boy, Hoinsey and the the milkshakes and what's the the, the ice cream in uh, in Milwaukee is is your, your favorite too? Oh my too? god, yeah, they have uh, they have uh, what are they? It's it's milkshakes, I think. Yeah, or milkshakes. They have, yeah, they have like uh, yeah, they have yeah, fr- milkshakes. They have a milkshake machine there. It's unbelievable. You can kill yourself eating it, but it's <laughs> you gain about ten pounds during a series there. This is why after 40 years of uh, of covering the team, it, you, you know, the uh, the the waistline isn't the same as it was when it started, I guess. But uh, <laughs> That's for sure. But you but you're doing all right. OK, see, 
See, we can find things to talk about on this podcast that don't revolve around, uh, you know, a, a last place cellar dwelling offense and and just the misery of watching this team lose in in different ways. Uh, I'm sure that in the in the in the next month or two, if if things turn around, you know, it'll be just like last year when we're talking about down the stretch, August and September. Uh, you know, they, they have the ability to do that, but. But if not, hey, we'll just talk about milkshakes in in Milwaukee and 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 all that, and and I'm sure people won't you know stop listening because we're we're just talking about milkshakes. But uh, just to get back, uh, let's let's wrap it up with uh, you know one more uh, take from uh, from our our subscribers and subtext. Uh, it, it, again, it has to do with the Med Rosario. Uh, just how much more leash do you think uh, Tito will give a Med Rosario in terms of uh, you know, playing time, uh, position, uh, stature with the, with the team. Uh, this is from Jeff in Houston, uh, sent this question in, uh, and what's the best way to work in Bo Naylor, Rocchio, Freeman, uh, Gabriel Arias to, to sort of turn things around? Yeah, that's, uh, that's a great question. And I think, uh, you know, when, if they make a move with Rosario and just, uh, you know, I think that's a signal that, you know, a lot of the young players are coming then, you know, I think if they, because, you know, he's in to Tito, he's an important part to this offense. We haven't seen it, you know, click yet, but, you know, with, uh, you know, Quan Rosario and, and Ramirez at the top of that lineup, he loves that. And uh, who does he, I mean, is, is uh you know who who replaces him who can somebody else hit second and do do the job that we've seen him do the past two years not so much this season because of the slow start but you know that's uh you know that uh, if, that's a question to me if you if you put somebody like an Andres Jimenez in uh, in that number two spot in the order which is something that you know a lot of people think is 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 a a move that could be you know, somewhere down the line uh, that, that that could be a move that, that would be made. Uh, Jimenez would have to change his approach and would have to sort of take to that number two spot approach of, you know, moving a runner along or, you know, taking that bat where he, he goes the opposite field. And these are things that he can do. Uh, I think maybe he'd be a little more willing to come off of his approach uh, when he's batting fifth, sixth, seventh uh, than Rosario has been. Uh, to to just come off of his approach of sort of you know just swing and put the ball and play hard, uh, I, I I think maybe it, it turns something around if you if you could flip flop them right now, uh, but if Rosario's gone, then you give that spot to to Jimenez and see see if he takes to it. Yeah, and maybe that would get him going, hitting between you know Quan and and Ramirez. Maybe he would see some more fastballs if you know Quan gets on base and is a threat to steal and. And, you know, they know they've got to face uh, Jose, you know, if, uh, you know, if they don't get, if they don't, you know, if they don't get, uh, if they don't pitch to, uh, to uh, Jimenez. So maybe that would help him. I, I don't and, know. I know, I know it's helped, you know, other guys before. And his willingness to just drop down a bunt at any moment for, for no particular yeah, reason, yeah. I think is also, a, a, you know, a, a good reason there. Uh, all right. Yeah. Some really good questions from our, our subtext, subtext subscribers. So I'm, I'm, I'm glad we did this uh, really quickly uh, before we get going here. Let's look at the pitching matchups. Uh, we've got Bieber on the mound uh, in the opener tonight against Matt Libertor, a lefty one and zero with a three point zero zero ERA uh, Saturday night's game. Tanner Bybee versus righty Jack Flaherty. 
And uh, Sunday's uh, series finale, Hunter Gaddis uh, coming off of that strong outing uh, the other day uh, against uh, Chicago. And uh, he will face lefty Jordan Montgomery, uh, two and six, four point five five ERA. Uh, so some some pretty good uh, some pretty good matchups here. The the numbers for Flaherty and Montgomery haven't been great, but those uh, you know like we talked about yesterday, uh, the Cardinals have started to turn things around a little bit uh, and and are, are winning a few more games than uh, you know a couple weeks ago. So. Uh, these these aren't going to be easy uh, by any means, uh, but let's see what the uh, the Guardians can do this weekend. Yeah, for sure, Joe. Uh, you know they faced Montgomery a couple times when he was with the Yankees, so they know him. You know Flaherty. You know it's kind of has you know good velocity when he's healthy. You know he's kind of been in and out on and off the IL for, you know, the last couple of years. But, uh, you know, when he's on, he's on, man. But, you know, I really love the way Bybee's been pitching and Bieber, you know, has, I think he's pitched well, you know, from since day one. So it, it should be a good, uh, you know, these are three good games and uh, three good, uh, you know, matchups, you know, where the starting pitchers, pitchers are concerned. All right. We will look forward to, uh, your coverage, uh, from tonight's ball game and, uh, just uh, everything uh, that, that goes in. It's a Memorial Day weekend, uh, so uh, you know a lot of people uh, should be out at the ballpark. The weather's going to be fantastic. Uh, let's uh, let's see what these guys can do. Uh, Hoinsey, uh, again, uh, great to talk to you. We'll talk to you again uh, probably Tuesday morning from Baltimore because uh, uh, it's an early game on Monday uh, out by Camden Yards, so uh, won't be able to, to get on and, and do a podcast then. Uh, again, uh, we'll uh, talk to you then on the Cleveland Baseball Talk podcast. Good deal, Joe.